From the Edwin Cardinal O'Brien Pastoral Center in Washington, D.C., home base for the Archdiocese for the Military Services USA, this is Catholic Military Life, a podcast of the Archdiocese. I'm your moderator, Taylor Henry. And for this edition, it's my great pleasure to have joining my joining me by telephone from Coventry, England, Second Lieutenant Christina Hughes of the United States Army. Lieutenant Hughes, welcome. Thank you so much. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. I've never been on a podcast before, so this is great. Well, there's a first time for everything, I suppose. Even a first time to the World Youth Day celebration, which is the topic of our podcast today. And uh, we're recording this podcast on August 9th, and World Youth Day just wrapped up over the weekend, and you're just back from Portugal. Um, Lieutenant Hughes, uh, tell me, how did you come to uh, decide to go to World Youth Day this year? Um, It was kind of on a whim. I signed up very late. Uh, I'm actually, I'm a graduate of the uh, U.S. Military Academy, and we have a group chat from some of our, our Catholic grads through the years, and um, a fellow officer of mine just texted randomly in the group chat saying, hey, the Archdiocese of the Military is sponsoring um, trips to go to World Youth Day if anyone is interested. And I said, sure, <laughs> but can you send me the information? Um, so it was really just uh, this entire year I've had an opportunity to really just explore uh, because I have a different duty position than I normally would in the Army or as usual. And so I've been trying to just get as many spiritually filled experiences as I can. And this opportunity popped up, and uh, the Archdiocese provided a way uh, to go to this amazing festival. And so I said, yeah, great. I see. So um, you're still fairly young. You're 23 years old. How long have you been in the Army, Lieutenant Hughes? Yeah, so I've only been in the Army for one year, commissioned, um, but I was a cadet for four years, so... So fake army for four years, I guess. <laughs> I see. Got you. All right. So Coventry, England is an unusual place for uh, a, a U.S. Army soldier. How did it come about that you are living in Coventry? Yeah. So uh, I applied um, straight out of my undergrad for a Fulbright scholarship, um, and I was blessed to receive that to pursue a master's degree. Um, and Coventry is home to two universities. Uh, Coventry University and Warwick University. So I'm currently attending Warwick to pursue uh, a master's degree in humanitarian engineering. I and s- after that, I'll go to my training and everything and hopefully use that in the Army. Uh, okay, uh, Warwick. It's pronounced Warwick, but spelled W-A-R-W-I-C-K. The American pronunciation would be Warwick, I suppose, but the British call it <laughs> Warwick. And are you a cradle Catholic? Yes. Uh, by definition, yes. <laughs> um, and uh, tell me a little bit about your background, your family, uh, how many uh, brothers and sisters. Uh, uh, give us the, the short background there, uh, please. Yes. So I grew up in a family of eight, uh, four brothers and sisters, two parents, and my mother's mother who lived with us, and my grandmother. Um Three of my older siblings served in the military. Both of my parents served in the military. Um, so that was kind of our background for a while. Although my dad retired from the 20 years of service around the time I was born, as I'm the youngest of those five children. So I didn't get to experience the kind of military bat lifestyle. Just a lot of the, the discipline and the values, um, those were the ones I was raised on. 
I see. So he was uh, retiring around about year 2000. Yes, that's correct. Uh, so you are uh, an army brat of sorts. Yes, of course. <laughs> okay, so uh, so tell me about World Youth Day. Uh, what was it like for you there? World Youth Day was a really great experience. Uh, it was just, I think it's just incredible. I, I really can't figure out a better word to say it. I mean, there was a, a million and a half people there, mostly Catholics. A lot of people brought their friends who were Christian or people who were um, wanting to convert and didn't know more about the faith, um, but just the life. There were there were probably like people celebrating parties on the street and um, also just beautiful moments for adoration. There are so many churches. Um, it took place in Lisbon. There are many, many churches in Lisbon, Portugal, and almost every single one was filled with religious, um, lay people, people just wanting to get to know Jesus. Um, there are a lot of crowds, and I'm not used to big crowds, nor do I like them, but it was absolutely amazing to see that many young people yearning for Jesus and answering the call to be with Him. Um, and, yeah, really just stand up for the faith and stand up for, for Christ. Did you make it up to Fatima? Yes, she spent a day inside of one. That was absolutely wonderful. I loved it. What was it about Fatima that touched you? I think just the simplicity of the people. Um, just know, knowing the story and knowing, um, like, it's always, God always comes to the little ones. He always comes to the children, the youthful of heart. Um, and so really in that story and how so many of the older generation didn't really believe the three young children um, in their testimony for so long. And then we have World Youth Day with it. And there's so many young people coming to Christ, leading, you know, re- getting ready to lead our society in the faith. It just is really fitting to kind of see those two things merge together. Um, and then also, uh, I didn't know the fact that there were two apparition sites for Mary. There was one where she appeared four times, and another apparition site where she appeared only once. Um, I thought they were all just in one place. And so to see the fact that um, Mary and her son will literally go anywhere to be with us, um, even if it is in the location that's planned previously, I think that's just really beautiful. I think that second location was the result of the authorities uh, at the time, back in uh, 1917, uh, uh, questioning whether or not these apparitions were real, right? Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Okay, so um, for the benefit of our listener who's not all that familiar with World Youth Day, World Youth Day is a worldwide encounter with the Pope celebrated every three years in a different country, usually every three years, although this was the first one since the pandemic. Uh, the most recent uh, World Youth Day was uh, just this past a weekend, August 1st through 6th in Lisbon, Portugal. Uh, and the next one will be in Seoul, Korea in 2027. Now, my first and only uh, World Youth Day was in Denver back in 1993, and I can share with you that I was deeply moved by the, uh, the, the uh, spirit that pervaded the large, large gathering of young people, Catholics from all over the world, folks from different cultures who speak different languages, yet united in the faith we all share. 
tell me about that from your perspective. Did you sense that as well in Lisbon? Yes. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it was it was beautiful. I think there, there were several moments of just like deep, profound silence that I experienced. Um, one of them was at the U.S. Pilgrim gathering, in, in for adoration, and just to see that many people, one in the United States, but also uh, people found out that Bishop Barron was speaking at the U.S. Pilgrims event. So some Germans and some people from other countries also showed up to hear him speak. Um, but that just profound silence and adoration and respect and love for the Lord was just... I, I don't think I've ever heard young people be that silent, <laughs> ever. Um, <laughs> or really anybody. Um, and then the second time that it really hit me was again in the silence um, at the vigil service, which was this past Saturday evening. Um, and they had played some praise and worship music as they were setting up the... Um, of Jesus within the monstrance. Um, and then after everything was placed and set, the music stopped. And for about 20 to 30 minutes, it was just completely silent. And sure, you know, there's there's some movements of people wrestling their sleeping bags and their tents here and there. But for the most part, about a million people all laid out in the grass, or, you know, either staring at the monstrance or looking at Jesus through the screens that were around the different areas and different campsites, just in utter adoration for him. And it was just, it was so cool. I'm talking to Second Lieutenant Christina Hughes, joining us by phone from Coventry, England, where she is uh, studying for a master's in humanitarian engineering. Um, Christina, when did you uh, come to the UK, and when do you expect to uh, get your master's there at Warwick University? So I arrived in the UK in September of last year. Um, officially started my schooling in the first two days of October, and I hope to finish it, and I plan to finish it uh, this coming September. So I'll turn all of my things in end of August, which is this month, and then move back to the U.S. Uh, mid-September, uh, early October. And uh, the topic of our podcast, of course, is World Youth Day, which has just concluded in Lisbon, Portugal. We're talking on August 9th, uh, recording this podcast on August 9th. Um, but before we get back to that, I want to ask you, your master's is in humanitarian engineering. I've never heard of such a thing, and you being a graduate of the uh, U.S. Military Academy at West Point with a degree in mechanical engineering, uh, I'm sure you can bring us up to date on what exactly is humanitarian engineering. So humanitarian engineering is this interdisciplinary nexus of almost all of the engineering disciplines as well as some liberal arts background. And so really it's an engineering focus specifically on providing innovative solution for solutions for vulnerable populations. So whether that's refugee camps, um, kind of third to second world development, um, disaster risk reduction, um, and even humanitarian relief and emergency relief. Looking at all those different scenarios with kind of an interdisciplinary lens to be able to provide those engineering solutions um, that can last even longer and also prevent further disasters in the future. Oh, it sounds like you're doing the Lord's work, even as you serve in the U.S. Army. I'm trying my best. 
definitely very challenging. Or preparing to do the Lord's work, I should say. (laughs) Okay, so let's get back to World Youth Day. Uh, The event itself was from August 1st through the 6th. Were you there the whole time? Yes, I was there for the entirety of World Youth Day. And um, did you uh, attend the uh, uh, the Pope's uh, closing mass? Yes, I did. Nine a.m. in the morning it was great. <laughs> Tell me about it. It was really hot for one. Um, I didn't think it would it would get that hot that early that day, um, but it was absolutely incredible. They had this full orchestra of music. Um, of, of musicians and a chorus. They'd been rehearsing for over a year. And there were hundreds, probably thousands of religious, just in a few front rows. And they kept panning the screen over to look at all the individual bishops and priests there. Um, and just being able to see, you know, like Pope Francis, hear his homily via translation, um, and to see that many people, like, yearning for the Eucharist. Was, was awesome. Um, it wasn't a mass that I, I felt like I paid the most attention to, mostly because I was really tired from sleeping out in the field the night before um, and, you know, also very hungry. <laughs> but um, it, was, it was a really cool experience to celebrate that. And then also they spoke some of the intercessions and some of the readings in different languages as well. And so although I was listening... Uh, via the Radio Vatican over translation, um, I still was able to hear all the different languages, and uh, I think it's in, it could be wrong, but I don't want to try to quote scripture, but I think it's in Revelation where they say the Mass will be said in everyone's native tongue in heaven, um, and that's kind of what it felt like, is hearing the beautiful music sounded like heaven, everyone speaking their native tongue um, was a taste of heaven, and that was really cool to experience to be a part of. A Pentecost of sorts. Yes, yes, a Pentecost. Now, uh, I'll share with you my own experience uh, at the World Youth Day in 1993 in Denver. Pope John Paul II was there. And uh, just the appearance of Pope John Paul II, uh, his his countenance, his, his visage, his face, radiated tranquility and peace and the love of the Lord. Uh, what was your impression of Pope Francis when you saw him? Was this your first time seeing Pope Francis? This was actually my second time seeing Pope Francis. Um, I was able to see him in Rome uh, quite recently um, give one of his uh, uh, week weekday addresses. So that was exciting. But I couldn't really see him from that far away when I was in Rome, but... I had a few opportunities during some of the processions um, when he was riding in his you know, Pope mobile um, through the crowds and everything, see him pretty close up. And I think my impression of him was he's just really happy and joyful. Like he's had so many surgeries and health complications recently. There's so many things that are going on in the church right now, um, internal and external spiritual warfare. And he just looked content and happy and at peace and just, trusting in the Lord. And that's, that's, that was amazing to see in my patriarch. That's great to hear. Now, you interacted with your peers and folks much younger and older than you, too, I suppose, uh, from all these different countries, different cultures. Um, was there anything about uh, the, the, the groups from elsewhere, uh, non-English speaking, uh, 
that struck you as uh, uh, stood out? It was different from how we in the English-speaking world practice our faith. Um, one of the things that I noticed, um, and I noticed this a while back too, but it was definitely more prominent at World Youth Day, is that during the Mass, some of the other cultures, uh, mostly European cultures, um, won't kneel for the entirety of the Eucharistic prayer, whereas we as American and English-speaking Catholics will kneel for um, through the Amen. Um, sometimes they stand up in reverence, so they don't sit down, but they stand up, which was something that I hadn't really experienced, at least in that depth. That was something that caught me off guard, um, but after talking with them, they kind of understood as they're standing with Jesus, and so I saw that. Um, one of the things I thought was really beautiful was everyone's different songs. Almost every culture seemed to have their own little Catholic theme song related to their countries, especially um, Spain, Portugal, and Italy, the ones that are you know traditionally the, the Catholic countries. Um, they had their own national song rooted in the Christian faith. And of course we do. We have, you know, America the Beautiful and, and so many other ones that are very rooted in Christian faith. But they were singing them boldly up and down the street. They, you know, brought their musical instruments, were playing drums, getting everyone to join in in their celebration of Jesus. Um, and so I almost want to get all of my American Catholic friends to start memorizing some songs so we can do that next World Youth Day. <laughs> Obviously, you found that inspiring. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Did you make any new friends? Oh, lots of friends. I met some, you know, Filipino priests that gave me some stickers. They were great. Um, but really, I was I was with the Verso Ministries group, which is a a newer, um, newer within, at least within the past 10 years, uh, ministry group that coordinates pilgrimages. And so they organized one for all of the individuals who signed up um, with either smaller groups. So like our size is military. We had three people. Um or, or people who signed up by themselves. And so with Verso Ministries, um, I met people from all across the United States um, and then interacted with some of my other English-speaking friends, so many people from Australia who could understand me, a few from Spain with my limited Spanish. Um, and also I met some other people from across England, which was very interesting, kind of getting to relate to them with understanding how they, they practice the math and understanding how I do it and yeah it was really cool definitely have people's couches that I'm going to crash on in the future if they let me (laughs) (laughs) I'm talking to second lieutenant Christina Hughes of the United States Army a graduate of the National Military Academy at West Point where she earned a degree in uh, uh, what mechanical engineering right Chris right lieutenant Yes, that's correct. And now in uh, Coventry, England, uh, Coventry doesn't uh, roll off the tongue so quickly. <laughs> we don't have a Coventry that I know of here in America. No. Uh, uh, at Warwick University, uh, pursuing a, a master's in humanitarian engineering, uh, after which uh, she plans to go back uh, and uh, bring that uh, newly acquired skill to the um, United States Army. What are your um, career ambitions, Lieutenant Hughes? Uh, what, what's your uh, what's your hope for your career in the military? That's a great question. Uh, that changes every few days here. <laughs> um, 
But uh, the, the plan right now is after I finish my degree, I'll be moving to Fort Novacell, Alabama, formerly Fort Rucker, and um, go to the U.S. Army Flight School um, where I'll learn how to fly helicopters. Um, I'm hoping to get Chinooks, although I know that re- realistically it's very hard to predict what I'll get. Uh, it changes constantly. Um, hopefully do that. Um, there's a few duty stations I'd like to do that do more humanitarian rescue operations in conjunction with you know the National Guard um, in a few other countries, um, if it's an abroad duty station. Um, and then I'm hoping to go back and eventually down the line be a civil military coordinator at the United States Agency for International Development and kind of help them with a lot of their humanitarian issues from this military perspective, as many of them require military operations. Um, And then after that, uh, I don't know, I'd like to work for Catholic Relief Services after I serve um, in the Army, however long that is. Um, And after that, only God knows. <laughs> but that's so far the kind of 12-ish year plan. Well, clearly you've given a great deal of thought to your career. And how does your Catholic faith fit into all that? Oh, it fits in perfectly. I would not be motivated to do any of this if it wasn't for God. <laughs> like, realistically. There's a lot There's a lot of hard, there's a lot of um, yeah, hardship, a lot of things that require discipline. Um and it's it just, just challenging having to move different countries and then jump into degrees and all these other things. Um, I realized that I just have a deep passion um, for loving other people that's fueled and created by my love for Jesus and his love for me. Um, and the Holy Spirit has moved me to find that, you know, I'm, I'm pretty decent at engineering, at least enough to, to graduate from one school and to qualify for another um, and so it's really just finding kind of what that niche is um, and where the world's needs are. I remember when I was really little, my, uh, my grandmother, Esperanza, she would um, always pray for the intercession of St. Mother Teresa, um, even before she was canonized. And just seeing how she loved the poorest of the poor um, and just showed them great mercy Having that background in my family, rooted in a Catholic faith, it, it fuels not only, you know, this, you know, humanitarian career, but also in the military and, you know, protect those that are defenseless and being able to defend this country um, and also defend um, countries around the world who cannot defend themselves. Uh, it's, it's really just that, that love and that conviction that comes from knowing that I am a beloved daughter Um, within the kingdom of God, and that every single person I encounter um, is also called to be in that family. And it's it's my duty as a Catholic to show them the most love I can. And I'm just fortunate enough that um, in my youth I found kind of the charisms um, that are within my soul that match um, the jobs that I've I've happened to, to be a part of. You obviously come from a good family. Where, where did you, you grow up? Because you said your dad was getting out of the Army in about, what, 2020, around the time you came along. Excuse me, not around 2000, I mean to say. Around the time yeah. you were born. So uh, where did you grow up? So my family ended up settling in State College, Pennsylvania. It was around the time that my dad finished. Um, he had taught ROTC 
while in the military at Pennsylvania State University, which is located there, and loved it so much that he decided to keep the rest of our family there. Did you tell your folks about your experience at World Youth Day? A little bit. Not quite yet. There's, I'm still really unpacking, so, <laughs> <laughs> there's, so there's so many things to reflect on. How was the food in Portugal? The food? Oh, they have these little, um, past, I, don't, I don't know if I can pronounce it right. I don't speak Portuguese well. But pastéis de Belém, or pastéis de Belém. Uh-huh. And there are these, like, little kind of circular cakes about the size, a little bit smaller than the size of your fist, or I have really small hands, maybe the size, the size of a child's fist, um, that just have this, like, custard in it, and they, uh, they, I think they put flames over it, and it's just delicious. So the dessert's so good. Um, the food is quite similar to Spain, um, and that they've, and I guess most of Europe as well. There's a lot of breads, a lot of hams. Um, the fruit was really fresh, which was great. Um, but yeah, it, everything just, I mean, we were moving so quickly, walking everywhere, burning so many calories. Um, everything I ate was delicious. <laughs> it was really hard to tell whether how, if that was me being really hungry or the food was really that good. Well, I was in Portugal in, ni- in 2017, and uh, I was impressed with the seafood. Mm. Yes, I didn't have much seafood because it is quite expensive. <laughs> I hear you. But, yes. Okay, so um, as you go back to your um, the daily grind, working on your master's there at Warwick University in England, uh, what do you carry back to your studies, your, your student life, from your experience? at World Youth Day? The thing that I want to bring back the most is just this um, deep, bold conviction for my faith. A lot of times in in academia and in the the military as well, there's this um, fear of almost being too Catholic and that it will push other people away or come off as proselytizing um, or overbearing. But in reality, it's that authenticity of stepping into my true identity as, as a daughter of God um, that makes everything so much easier, per se, so much more enriched, better for everyone that I interact with in terms of you know how I'm acting and how I am myself. And so as I'm bringing it to my studies, I just want to have this conviction um, and, determin- and determination to not shy away from, from being honest about my faith uh, and sharing really what I truly believe without any fear, whether it's uh, my pro-life stance or uh, my stance on Jesus being truly present in the Eucharist or anything of that nature. Um, I I really don't want to be afraid to do that anymore, as I may have been in the past. I have this new enriched dedication to that now. The growing secularization in our society and all quarters of it, the military and academia, uh, is a challenge for uh, practicing and devout Catholics. Uh, I think all of us can share that uh, uh, sense of secularization with you. And and, uh, uh, yes, it is a challenge for us to understand how to be evangelists, how to be disciples without turning people off. Mm -hmm. And uh, it sounds like uh, the inspiration you got in Portugal for World Youth Day may uh, uh, 
you know, motivate you to meet those challenges going forward. Lieutenant Christina Hughes, a graduate of the National Military Academy at West Point, uh, now pursuing a, uh, uh, a master's in humanitarian engineering at the University of Warwick in the UK, uh, joining us by telephone from Coventry, England. Lieutenant Hughes, thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.